for the equaliser, and it's a beautifully sculpted score for is won by Armand Carline O'Hanlon, the right person in the right team. Only for point number 10. Hello and welcome back to the Sideline Eye podcast. You're very welcome to our review show. And we're looking back at another big win for Armagh at the weekend. As always, this podcast is brought to you in association with McKeever Teamwear, proud suppliers of all Armagh GA merchandise. I'm delighted to once again be joined by Aaron Kiernan, and he's going to dissect the game yesterday and tell us um, all, all how Armagh got through it, how it was so easy in the end, and how Armagh were really brilliant on the day, Aaron. It, it was just such a, a pleasing performance in, in cloneness of all places. I suppose it was a throwback to the glory days. We were sort of saying that in the build-up, that it was great to get back in Clonus, but great to get back winning in Clonus and su- such a game till probably we spoke last week about it was Kieran McGinney's best performance, uh, the best performance under Kieran McGinney and this one probably just tops it. Ah, it does. Um, do you know, geez, as Mondays go, it's a long time since we've been bouncing the way we have in the county this past two Mondays. Uh, can't get a drop of work done anywhere because all everyone wants to do is talk football, uh, which is brilliant. And, um, you know, so this is I suppose if you go back to this is the depressing bit from Valley Buffet is where we thought, you know, it was going to happen then. Uh, and you thought the season was over. And then, like we said last week, in fairness, the players and management to to be able to turn things around and come back and perform the way we know they can. Um, the brand of football, the intensity that they're playing with. Um, sure, it just gets everybody behind us. You know, you're, the supporters are just so engrossed in the whole thing now. Um, and it makes everyone feel like you're you're in on it now, um, which is brilliant. But yesterday, um, I would say, yeah, in terms of when Tyrone come back at us last week, um, yesterday Donegal put us under serious pressure. I was sitting at the game with a good friend of mine and we were sitting obviously after the dream start with the goal. Um, we were just looking and we were wondering how we were going to stop them, you know, because... They just in fairness to Donegal, like we probably were critical of them last week, and I don't think there's anything wrong with being critical of them because of the style they've played for a number of years. But you would have to say for the first 20 minutes, the football they played like was outstanding um, in terms of the pace that they uh, were breaking at, the options that they had, the angles that they were running up front, the direct ball, the ball in in front. Um, they, they really mixed up their game uh, and looked like a team you know, looked like the team that they probably should be this past few years. But then that's the most, like, well, we racked up a super score um, and some of the individual performances in that there. For me, the biggest and most pleasing thing that I took out of the game yesterday was how we reacted to Donegal whenever they were really turning to screw on us. Um, and let's be brutally honest, like, it's a long time since we've been able to turn games like that Live, you know, whenever it was happening straight in front of our faces, um, games have ran away from us. Uh, just think of the Donegal game in Breffney two years ago. 
um, they got us pinned in where they kept taking marks, pressing our kickouts. And in the space of 10 minutes, like the game was completely over. And for me, that is just the biggest thing to take from yesterday was how the boys on the field, under severe pressure, were able to turn the whole tide completely and like go from you know a game that looked like it was running away from us to a game that we nearly had put the bed by half time. It was that impressive. Um, so that, that was just, it was class. It was absolutely brilliant to see the ferocity that they played at and how they turned the game themselves. What is that, Arne? Is that belief or is that being together so long and sticking to the system or what? How did Armagh get? Because I remember that Breffney Park game that you're talking about and everybody listening in remember that game that it literally was a 10-minute spell and the game was over. Donegal got a goal and a couple of points and that was it. But yesterday, I think they were nine points to one-two up at one stage. And as you say, it really looked like you were worried at that stage. But is it just belief in the system? Is it belief in Kieran McGinney? Is it because the team has been together so long, what what is it that you know Armagh can turn that round now? To me, that's self belief in themselves. Um, now that obviously comes from management, um, in terms of how they're organised. But it was uh, it, it's something within the players themselves where they're just not going to take the norm anymore. They're sick of it. Like you know, it's just a case of we have to turn this around. And to be fair, it it was a huge collective in terms of everybody stepped up, different things like uh, Mernon going and winning a kickout, Jason Duffy winning an important kickout, Ryan kicking four scores in a row, Rory kicking a good one from underneath Jerry Arthurs. It just was stuff everywhere. Uh, Morgie was starting to get a hand in. We were you know, stopping their runners, stopping the pace they were coming at. So it, it is, it, it's just, uh, it, to me, it's something that's just within the players themselves where enough is enough. Um, you know, there's too many times, there's been false dawns, there's careers passing by, uh, passing some lads by in terms of, you know, you have a core group of boys there maybe who would have been in around that minor team uh, from 09 and they're just saying, ah, this is their time and forget about what's going on in the past. And it's, you have to be well set up now in fairness um, and we are well set up but it just was all over the field. Boys just going, winning their own battles. And then whenever their job was done, who can I help next? You know, and that, that was in terms of defending. Can I double up on someone? Can I come back in to slow the play and help someone else out here? But then also it was attacking. It was like it wasn't passing the ball up the field. Like it's already been direct. But if you're going to be direct, then you need runners, you need options coming off the shoulder. And again, we had that. So it was in all aspects of the game. Um, that at that stage it was just you literally couldn't ask for any more it was everything that you would want in a group of players and a bit more and I will have to talk about the first goal obviously um, I think somebody say I seen on Twitter maybe it was the second fastest goal of all time um, I'm not sure what the first one was but 10 seconds anyway um, we'll talk about the goal itself the ball in from Rain, but just Creeley's part to play had a big part to play as well like he took the Initial hit from Michael Murphy and blocked him hitting Ryan and then hit McGee as well. So while Ben Creeley didn't touch the ball, he had a big part to play in it. Absolutely, yeah. And to be fair, I'd say in terms of like really uh, throw-ups uh, for first and second half just tend to be a free-for-all. Any of so you do pretty much get away with everything. You never see a referee barely <laughs> calling up for too much. So uh, Ben done really well. He gave Ryan the opportunity to come across, fetch and land on the front foot. 
you know, where he had a wee bit of momentum, even though he he, he ended up being fouled. Um, so it, it was very important, but it was a signal of intent. Uh, I don't know whether it was a goal was talked about, but I definitely think it was we're going to win the throw up and we're getting it in straight away because just look at our forward shape. Like we had three boys, looked like they were sort of the width of the big box from the end lane coming out. And it was always on the direct one, but like literally it couldn't have been any more perfect. Um, the Obviously the quality of the ball in from Rain, but Rory's timing, um, judging the ball so well, landing already on the half turn and his finish like was just exquisite. Top right-hand corner, keeper hadn't a chance. Um, so in terms of everything you could plan for from a throw-up, um, to be fair, you, you couldn't execute anything any better from Ben's role to Rian to Rory. Um, it was it was out of the top drawer. And um, yeah, definitely. If it's if you have a playbook of what you want to do from a throw-in, I don't think you'll get a better version of it than that. And Arna probably doesn't be worked on enough, does it? That, that you know, when the throw-in is in the air, that's the only time you have a, a defence. Like, there's no sweepers involved. There's no bodies back. You're man-on-man in there. We probably don't see that enough. That you know, get the ball in. It's one-on-one and see what happens. Yeah, it, it's. I suppose we've probably seen a bit of it against Tyrone at times. You need your shape for it to happen. You have to have the men ahead of the ball. Um, and obviously, in terms of putting Rory in there, um, Mernon was in there as well. Uh. They are ball winners in terms of, you know, they're well able to fetch. I know some people maybe might have taken a wee bit back by Rory, but been a nab man yourself, like he, he's really good at sort of hovering around the middle of the field for yourselves um, in club football. He's well able to tame his run into spaces and fetch over his head. Um, so it, it was no surprise to see him in there and doing what he did. Um, but we have the personnel to execute both suppose, aspects of a game nowadays in terms of your running or your kick passing. Um, and it does take organisation and it takes structure in terms of having people in the right positions to deliver the ball and then obviously to receive it. Uh, and I, do, I think it's another aspect that we have really gone to town on this past two weeks um, that teams are finding it very hard to, and will find it even harder in Croke Park to deal with because uh, while there's probably not much difference in the dimensions of Clonus to Croke Park, Croke Park just plays like a huge field. Um, you know, there just always seems to be more space to pass into. Um, the goals always seem to be further away. The 45 seems further away in Croke Park than it does anywhere else, but it's just how the stadium, how the pitch plays itself. Um, so I think it'll suit our boys perfectly as well. And the self-belief that they all have gathered over this past two weekends um, and the buzz that that group will be feeling themselves if we could just all stay away and leave them alone um, will be massive, massive. Uh, I think we'll see even a better version of ourselves heading to Crow Park in two weeks' time. And then the second goal, on I suppose this, you could point to this as being the main difference between Armagh yesterday and Armagh of two months ago in Bali Buffet where they sat off the kickouts, they let Donegal go short and run up the field. Yesterday, for the, the, the two goal chances, they got one off the, uh, the short kickouts, they pushed up. And one of them, I think it was the second one maybe, was uh, was it McCall fumbled it. 
So yeah. probably not fair to blame Potton, but going short two two times in a row once he'd already lost the first one and Armagh should have had a goal. Potton probably made the wrong decision the second time. And funny, we were in the stand and I sort of said, like, he's not going to do that again and he don't straight away. But the, the first one, Supi missed, it was cleared off the line. I think it was Keown Ward blocked it with his foot. Rory was on the far side screaming for it and Supi decided to, to have a go himself. And then the second one, obviously, was the penalty. And Ray O'Neill was never, the form he was in yesterday, he was never going to miss whether it had been a keeper or whoever was in nets. Yeah, again, a bit like the, the throw-in, it was a signal of intent from Mirabais in terms of pressing them. And I think we've seen from the last couple of minutes against Derry in the Ulster final uh, that that was a frustrating thing about Ballywafay is they're not the greatest footballers in the world at Donegal full-back lane. And if you want to go short to them, you just seen what happened against Derry. You've seen what happened yesterday. And also you've seen what happened at the start of the second half in Ballywafay whenever we really pressed. The problem was we just never got anything from any of our turnovers we butchered everything um, but at that stage again like we created two goal opportunities out of yesterday I was very surprised that Patton went short for the second one uh, you see given how jittery they were McFadden Ferry was with the first one um, to be fair now Patton gets the ball to his man he's probably not in a great position because he's standing square he can't see what's behind him and he doesn't know whether he's going to go right or left but they fumble it it's, it's a defensive error um, he just should have had more about him patting for the second time round and just said, you know what, let's get two or three boys to overload one side, get the ball out as quickly as possible. Um, but here, let them talk about that. That's their problem in terms of what Armagh could do and what they dealt with. It was brilliant. The smelt blood at that stage, that was that was the absolute turning of the game. Like if I'm correct, I think at that stage we ended up off the back of two bad kickouts. We ended up with a goal and two points. We got Reigns 45. We got the penalty. And then from the next kick out, we get another point, you know, and something as simple as just going after them and making them jittery, putting pressure on them. Um, it turned the whole game completely uh, in our favour. And from a game where they are absolutely in descendancy, just that signal of intent, that going after a team whenever we smelt blood um, was huge. And it just completely changed the, the complexion of the game. And obviously, Patton picked up the black card, and there was a bit of debate, or I don't know, people maybe didn't understand. I, I certainly wasn't sure what the rule was, if the subkeeper was allowed on straight away, or what the, the story was. But it was strange from Donegal to take Patrick McBurdy off at that stage. And I don't know, maybe he, he wasn't setting the world alight, but he's still their, their, well, you'd say their second most dangerous forward um, just after Michael Murphy. So that was a strange call for, for Donegal to make. and after the game, none of the Donegal management or players spoke to the media, so nobody obviously got asked the questions, but it, it was just a strange decision at that stage for them to make. Yeah, there were some more inexperienced players, um, like Aaron Doherty, potentially, that you, you could have pulled off that said, if you were going to make the change. Um, to me, what they obviously had nobody who was capable of doing anything, you know, in terms of an outfield player that had the ability to could go in and, and kick the ball out off the ground or the composure to maybe do something for 10 minutes. So they did need to make the change. If that's the case, like in fairness, nobody knows better than Donegal management. If there's no one capable of doing it, the change had to be made. But you're right, I wouldn't have taken off McBrady. I would have taken off someone with less experience. Um, you know, that it just it looked like they got totally frazzled at that stage. Then uh, McBrady obviously wasn't happy with being taken off. Um, he, he showed that. 
and if he's showing that, then maybe that's getting into the mindsets of other people. Um, how how good were things in their camp? You know, after the Ulster final, like they were bound to be hugely disappointed to let a game like that slip. Uh, whenever they had it within their grasp, with a couple of minutes to go. So, I, I think again, not only what we got off the scores, we got off it. Then the black card. Then what actually happened then was it give us uh, obviously uh, Greg McCabe was able to stand free basically as a plus one. Um, it cut out the direct ball that they were able to put inside to McBrady and Murphy. Um, Murphy was then isolated by himself. He started to drift out the field. So literally in the space of those, those 10 minutes of the black card and the five minutes in the lead up to it, um, everything really changed uh, on the game. But it all came off the back of us hunting them down and going after them. And up by four at half time, it didn't look like it midway through the first half. Um, you were probably happy enough if you had been two or three points down. Donegal played with a bit of a breeze in the first half, but going four points up, that was seven and eight straight away. Just the start of the second half, it really it blew Donegal away and Armagh never looked back really. I think they got maybe the first three points of the second half and that, that gap then was, they were uncatchable then once they got you know seven or eight points up. Yeah, simply getting the first score was the biggest thing. It was massive. Like Donegal had to come out with the first score, press your kick out, potentially get another one. Your four point leads down to two, and it's game on here. Anything can happen. But the fact that we came out and you know worked uh, worked a good score, and then after that, it wasn't a case of going hell for leather. I just thought our composure all over the field, then you know, in terms of going from wing to wing and just being patient and not. Uh, not like a sickening patience like where it was we were trying to get scores we were just waiting for the right opportunity but then we started then they came like then the second point come the third point come and you said the game was completely out of sight at that stage uh, we were just playing with a confidence and assurance all over the field and to be fair their body language just they were gone they were completely gone uh, I know you can't probably read that whenever you're a player on the field but in terms of what you're sitting looking back at it just there was only going to be one winner. Um, and again, uh, it was impressive to see from us that we did just didn't sit back and try and tie with them, try and see the game out. Um, whenever the opportunities came, um, we weren't too shy about going for the juggler and putting them out of sight. And away at Nugent again going through, could have potentially, I was right behind them and the Pat McGrain at that stage, he could have maybe tapped it over himself. Uh, but he was going for broke. He was trying to, to work another goal uh, to, to put us out of sight completely. And then Stephen Sheridan, the composure he showed going through and goal, um, like many of the person might have just put their boot through it, you know, and shut their eyes and hope for the best. But he had the composure to take a bounce, steady himself, show the keeper one way and then roll it in with his right foot. Um, so th- that was, uh, yeah, that was just another so was episode of a team playing with extreme confidence and having a rootless strike about them. Um, could have fisted both opportunities over the bar but we were going to finish the game off um, and finish it off in style and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that you know that shows obviously it shows the team that's confident and self-assured on the day but to me it's a ruthless strike um, and somewhere down the line maybe next week hopefully another fortnight or in two weeks time or hopefully after that there those opportunities will arise whenever it's a one-point game maybe and you have to back yourself to go for them. So it's great to see that as well. And we give, definitely give Stephen Sheridan a mention. I think by my records, that was his first ever goal in the championship and it was the icing on the cake really at that stage. It was a game over by the time he got the, the ball in the net. 
And I suppose we, we can talk about, you know, Rain was unbelievable yesterday on a real, like a real coming of age, I suppose, performance, performing like that in the championship, especially against Donegal. We had sort of spoke, me and Arne Finn last week, that this was going to be a big game for Rain, that, you know, McCall held him, held him scoreless. And the first day, obviously, there was the goal that, that didn't count, but he held him scoreless. Rain came out and he answered. If there was any question marks about him yesterday, he answered them all. What what a performance. I think he got 1-7 and um, the penalty, obviously, and then I think he got five from play. So that that was just he was he was fantastic yesterday. Yeah, like I said, the collective to me yesterday was unbelievable. Um, but uh, I'll I'd pull people up on it that that was his coming of age. I see somebody like do you remember him in Uri last year against Monaghan whenever a game was going away from us, his fetch and his score and that day um, and I uh, haven't spoken a whole while to him uh, since the, the first Donegal game um, he sort of felt like he leaving himself but it was never going to happen two days in a row uh, he was going to go out and, and show his class yesterday regardless of who was on him or whether he was in, in the inside lane or he was in the middle of the field Um I thought he was absolutely massive without trying the signal one man out um, from the collective. I thought at that stage where it looked like the game was starting to run away from us, if I'm correct, like I think he scored four points in a row, um, a couple from play, um, off right and left foot to 45. Um, he he really sort of carried the game to him at that stage. And his scoring obviously was very important, but to me it was his hits, his physicality, and the energy he was displaying out around the field that was then infectious to his teammates. Um, and he did what great leaders do, and he led by his actions, uh, and everyone has followed. So uh, he, he was unbelievable, and I was delighted for him um, because I was a bit browned off now. Some of the snide comments that was being made about being league footballers and not being up there with the top players or the elite nonsense. Um, he showed yesterday he showed last year he showed many times and will do for years to come that he is an elite county footballer um, and he's somebody that we're very very fortunate uh, to have within our county um, somebody that will inspire a generation coming after him but also by his actions he'll inspire the boys who he's playing with now um, and not by words because he's he's quiet uh, they've done well to get the words out of him that they did in RT yesterday um, but that's the type of player he is. He'll lead by actions. He'll not do shouting and roaring, thump tables, uh, give him the ball in his hands, and that's whenever he does talking. And just on the collective, Arn, obviously Donegal went chasing goals then um, when, they were, when they were behind in the second half. They did get a goal chance at the start, and Ethan saved it. I'm not sure if it went over the bar, if it went out for 45, but Ethan saved it anyway. But the defense. You got, got a point out of it, yeah. It was a, it was a great a point. save, actually. Ethan, he saved that one, but they, he never had another shot to save the whole game. Armagh really stood so strong in the likes of McKay and McCabe, Falker, obviously, and Murphy. He was uh, Mark and Murphy when these high balls were launching in. Then Kieran Higgins come on, he helped. So, like, the defense was was brilliant all day yesterday and breaking out as well. Jarley O coming up, I think he got three points in the end. It just it was everything we'd want from a, a defensive display from Armagh. Yeah, it is, and it's well. We talked before the Tyrone game about how our scores had dried up completely as the National League went on from what we did the first two weekends against Dublin and Tyrone. Like, it's no coincidence that we're, we're topping up the scores on the scoreboard now and we've just beat Tyrone and Donegal easy off the back of that. But all coming from the defence, you know, and our defence does, in fairness, it starts from 15 back. 
but I think our actual defence in terms of the six defenders and how they have performed this past two weekends um, has been top class. I think in terms of individual battles, they've all been brilliant. And, and, and over two games, I, I can't think of anyone who's, who's got the better of any of our six defenders. But it's, it's not... They're, they're doing what they have to do individually, but the biggest improvement in them then is whenever my job's done, who can I help? Or even if the ball's in one side of the field, can I drift off my man? Can I, I clog up a bit of space? Can I make the pitch look a bit smaller? And everybody is doing that. Like they're so focused and tuned in. Um, it's it's I suppose it's it's infectious. Um, you know, it's it's like someone constantly putting the ball over the bar at the other end of the field. If your defenders are constantly getting turnovers, constantly stopping play, you know, constantly breaking out and providing energy, it just spreads throughout the whole team. But uh, Aaron McKay and, and Greg McKay begin. Now, Greg McKay obviously was super last but Aaron McKay, yes, for me, Jesus, he put his body in the lane so many times. Um, there was one in particular in the Jerry Arthurs in the first half. Like It was probably 70-30 in Donegal's favour and he didn't even blink. Uh, not that you wouldn't expect him to, the player that he is. Like He just went wholehearted in, got the ball, took the hit. And we were gone again. Um, so he was, he was, he was unbelievable. Um, absolutely anything that went in their direction, particularly whenever they were going route one, um, everybody couldn't get at the ball enough. You know, it was nearly a battle to see who was going to get into the contest. We had that many people who was looking to get in there. And I suppose if you compare that to, to Donegal and they might have had one man contesting in the air, but there nobody on the ground looking for it. Um, it was airways who were coming in at pace, ready for anything, whether it was a hit or to pick up a break. And Aaron, it's obviously Crooke Park next, and we know the draw at this stage. It's Galway um, in the All-Iron quarterfinal. And just before we come on there, it's confirmed it's going to be Sunday the 26th um, at quarter to two with Kerry and Mayo coming on after. Um, a, a huge opportunity for Armagh and obviously the way the draw is pawned out, it's going to be Kerry and Dublin meeting in the semi-final or Mayo or um, obviously Cork, you don't want to be ruling them out just yet, but it's a Kerry and Dublin semi-final. So on the other side, Armagh and Galway meet either Derry or Clare. So for the four counties, it's a huge opportunity to get to an All-Ireland semi-final here and somewhere that all four counties haven't been in you know, over two decades. Yeah, we let the so-called big guns, we let them slug it out on the other side and we'll go away quietly with our business. In terms of, I suppose, uh, from ourselves as uh, as supporters, to me, it's as good a draw uh, as, as we could have got. Uh, one, Derry was never going to be that entertaining of a game if he'd got them to quarter final. Um, I do think to get to an all iron final, they'll have to be beaten uh, in a semi-final because I do see them coming through. But I think what Galway gives us is uh, they'll let us play a bit of ball as well. Um, I think it'll be a good game. Realistically speaking, I think it'll be a 50-50 contest. Um, like they'll fancy their chances with us just as much as we will them. Um, but I think it gives us an opportunity said, to play a football. Um, but it's a game that if we go and perform the way we have this past two weeks, I absolutely see us getting across the lane. Um, and it would be another massive momentum booster to the team like you'd be going in just not that I suppose you couldn't say we don't have it in a minute given how well we're after accounting for throwing at Donegal but 
you, you would be your confidence would just be literally sky high heading into an all Ireland semi final if you're able to account for them. So, um, I think in terms of of how the boys have performed this past few weeks, um, you couldn't ask for any more. Um, they need to so we'll spend the next few days just basically recovering and then starting to refocus. And I think I suppose the excitement for them of getting another big day out, another opportunity, and the fact that it's now heading to Crow Park. Um, for for them, it probably makes this past six or nine months uh, hard work worthwhile. Um, this is what this is why you you put yourself through uh, the girls, or why you sacrifice so much in terms of what you get to do with travel or family or work or whatever. Um, they're they're prime time now. Um, they're heading to the business end of the season, and uh, like I said earlier, we'll all enjoy it. Uh, we we'll lose the run of ourselves. Uh, but if we see any of the boys around, we'll just maybe try and keep a lid on us, try and keep prepared to dry and let them do what they have to do. And Lauren, it's, it's been said before, and you've hinted at it there, that um, you know it probably come from after the league game against Dublin that Croke Park suits this team. It suits Armagh's brand of football. It suits their players. So you would hope again that's going to be the narrative again heading into the Galway game, that Croke Park suits Armagh. And no matter what happens the rest of the season, you know, all their games are going to be in Croke Park here for now on. So it, it probably does the wide open spaces, probably suits this Armagh team and suits either their running game or their kicking game. They can mix it up brilliantly and it suits their their players. Absolutely. And I think that's what, like, while, say, in fairness to Galway, they have accounted for Mayo, who have shown for 10 plus years, you know, that they're up there with your your All-Ireland standard, um, your top three or four teams. But I think we offer something totally different than Mayo. Like Galway went quite defensive against them and dropped their two wing half forwards back because they could. Well, number one, they had to because Mayo were a running team and they were, they were never going to kick the ball over retreating wing half forward from Galway coming back into the five and seven positions. They can't really do that there against us because I think what we've shown this past few weeks is as those players are leaving, maybe air half-back or a midfield area to try and get back. That ball can be going over their head uh, and, and into their forwards before they get the opportunity to get back. So uh, I think they'll have plenty of questions that they're going to have to get right within their own head in terms of how they're going to set up. And, and I think that is the brilliant thing about what we've done again this past two weeks is it, it's very hard to know what you do with us like, because if we're on our game like we are and we're playing at the pace with the hunger intensity that we have been doing. So in terms of whoever gets the man marking jobs for us, um, like it, it's the pressure that's in the ball that's going into their key forwards that, that needs to be huge. Uh, but in terms of then how we play once we have possession, like the, the running power that we have from all over the field, the ability to take men on in one-on-one contests and then obviously... The, the passing game that we have with the boot um, in terms of having a couple options in the half forward lane and then inside um, I, I think we'll definitely pose um, Galway a, a lot of I suppose questions they'll have a lot of problems that they haven't faced Roscommon didn't perform at all in the in the Connacht final and they would have a bit of a kicking game about them that have some dangerous forwards um, but that's the I suppose that's the big thing for us is that we can mix and match our game. We can play what's in front of us and we're doing it with confidence. So we'll be back, obviously, in two weeks' time. We'll be previewing that big game and it's great to get, we said last week, it's great to get back to Clonus, great to get back to Croke Park 
for the second time this year. We'll also be back on Thursday and we'll have our first club um, show in a while, obviously given the couple of Armagh games we haven't got to do in the club stuff. So we'll be back with another guest on Thursday and we'll discuss all the club games coming up this weekend. Arne, great to have you on and great to have you on, hopefully for now a couple of weeks, um, obviously depending on results. But everybody is is obviously in great form, loving Armagh football at the minute. So make sure to get your tickets good and early and get overnight stays in Croke Park and whatever else, get the buses booked and whatever else needs done. And we'll, we'll, um, make, Orange, we'll make Croke Park Orange and White the same way Clonus was. Arne, brilliant to have you on and thanks for, for giving us your thoughts. Not a problem, Sean. Cheers. by our man Carlino Hamlet, the right person in the right